0: Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Passion for the Pastime. I'm your host, Walter. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to dive in. we going to break down everything that went down this past weekend. Because if you don't know... You aren't aware, if you haven't been listening to the podcast, we have rule changes. Well, we were talking about it in theory, in theory, but now we have something to look at. It was on full display this past weekend in spring, in Arizona, in Florida, and it all started with the San Diego Padres. Manny Machado, the first player to have ever been dinged with a pitch clock violation. So we're gonna talk about that. We're going to talk about the San Diego Padres and their outlook on the 2023 season. And to help me do all that, we're going to be speaking with Derek Targerson. We've had him on the podcast before. He has a his own podcast on Friar Podcast. He's a co-host of. And you can see him all the time on NBC7 in San Diego. So we're going to break it down because Derek put out a piece. <laughs> and I can't wait to get into this conversation with him because I need to know. I, I thought it would be impossible to find someone, a, a baseball fan, that genuinely enjoys the rule changes. Derek is that person. So you're going to want to hear what he has to say about these rule changes and about the San Diego Padres. So coming up next, we are going to be talking with Derek Togerson of NBC7 San Diego, co-host of the On Fire podcast. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. I'm your host, Walter, and on this episode of the podcast, we're going to break down All the games from this past weekend because baseball is back in full swing at spring training in Arizona. And who to talk to better than uh, Derek Togerson? He covers the the San Diego Padres who opened up baseball. uh, The very first look at these rule changes for spring training in 2023. So Derek Togerson of NBC7 in San Diego joins us and also co-host of the On Friar podcast. Derek, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, of course. It's always fun to uh, to talk ball with you, especially uh, with the Padres being in the same division as the Giants. We have to break it down. we got to know uh, what our rivals down south are looking like. But before we get into any of that, before we talk Padres, man, i got to get your first initial takes. On the rule changes, uh, because it was on full display, right? And Manny Machado wasted no time. He was the first player to uh, to get a pitch violation or pitch clock violation uh, in that first spring training game. So, what are your what are your initial thoughts? Your your feelings on on the rules after uh, opening weekend?
1: Well, the major ones you are talking about, obviously, are pitch clock and no shifting. And so far, I'm I'm in love. It's been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And if people keep talking about why John is short in baseball, I don't care if a baseball game goes nine hours. The problem is then there's nothing happening inside the confines of the game. It, it's been boring while you're watching it. If a game is three and a half hours but stuff's happening and, you, and guys are up and down and they're you know, stealing bases and knocking the ball around the yard, that, that's I'll watch that all day. What this is doing is it's taking away all the dead time that makes the game seem boring in the middle. So we're not trying to shorten the length of time. We're, in total, we're going to shorten the amount of time that happens in between the pitches, and that's been fantastic. I mean, the, even the guys are saying, hey, man, this is more exciting. This is better than I even thought it would be. Uh, we haven't really seen a whole lot of the difference in the shift thing yet. I think that will probably happen when we get into the regular season more and we start to really notice, you know, where these ground balls are going and it would have been outs. You know, I saw the, the stat that Shohei Otani had last year, like, like 30 balls at a hundred plus mile an hour exit velocity that were out because of the shift. I thought that's going to change things dramatically. So that was been a little bit less noticeable, but man, this pitch clock thing, it's, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And I think, People getting all crazy about, oh, it ended a Braves Red Sox game on a called third strike. <laughs> but okay, A, Cal Conley is going to be a double A this year. <laughs> B, that's what spring training is for. Right, You're supposed to be learning all this stuff now so it doesn't happen during the regular season. So all you did the a knee jerk reaction to all this slow down. It's going to be fine. The game is going to be better in 2023.
0: Well, and it's been documented too because the rule changes uh, that we're going to see in MLB were implemented in the minors, right? And everyone yeah. was—it's was, been documented that there was a, a bit of an adjustment period. Now, the minor leagues didn't have the adjustment period that we're having in MLB with spring training, so it's—it's it's a little bit of difference. Uh, we might—I mean, we're still, still going to get you, you know the the hiccups here and there to, to start the season, but that is to be expected. I will say this though, Derek, when I was watching. Uh, the first game with the with the Mariners and the Padres, I was watching it on the laptop, and you could definitely tell the difference at the pace of play, right? And I, I almost had oh, yeah. like a, like a sense of anxiety. I was like, "Oh my god, like I, I don't have time to do it. I, I don't have time to look away. I, I need to watch the game." I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a bad thing. But I will that's also add, tip. yeah, that's
1: yeah. What you feel about the NFL, right? Right. No, know, no, yeah, one hundred percent. Forty second clock, and you know a play is coming, right? So right. You can't you can't look away. That's what's so great about it, it's, and the NFL has become the 800-pound gorilla in sports <laughs> in North America, you know? Yeah. Like that's, everyone wants to do like that. So why is it a bad thing if we're making the game more – we're making baseball must-watch television. You, got, you right. can't go up and go grab a beer. You have to be engaged and in your seat because something is going to be happening. And that keeps fans involved. It keeps you engaged. Like I, I see zero downfall here, unless except for the people who only go to the games – just to drink the beers and have a social atmosphere. Well, guess what? You can still do that anyway right. because you're the people who aren't paying attention in the first place. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. No. It's it's definitely different. Uh, I was I was just gonna say it's definitely different watching it on television because in Sacramento with the River Cats, I was there a handful of times last year, and you don't really notice the pace of play so much because again, you're you're dialed into the game, you're dialed into the action, so. I think that there's going to be a difference of viewing at home versus being at the ballpark. Uh, but, I, I mean, g- getting used to watching it at home is just its going to take time.
1: Yeah, and that, but you know what? They're making adjustments. We'll make adjustments too. And I can guarantee you people who are watching this game are going to like it more because more is happening. It's, it's going to be – give it a chance, folks. Give
0: it a chance. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're talking with uh, Derek Togerson of NBC Seven in San Diego, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, we were talking about Manny Machado uh, being the first player to have the pitch violation, and he was quoted after the game as saying, "Well, it looks like I'm going to be uh, starting the counts 0 and 1 uh, a lot this year. Do you think that he's going to have that same mentality going into the season, just starting the count 0 and 1 off the off the off the rip?
1: No, yeah, I, I saw saw the interview as he was giving it, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Uh, he was, yeah. He was chuckling when he said it. It's going to take an adjustment. You know, like I said, er- everybody is going to, and he has had not had one since, you know? And by the way, he's still singled in that at-bat because he's just that good off of Robbie Ray, as a former Cy Young winner. So it, he'll, it's just a matter of changing what you've done for the first 30 years of your life, and you've got a month to do it, and they're, they're all going to be just fine in doing such.
0: How about that, Manny Machado? Just saying, yeah, I'll take a strike. I'm still gonna get a single anyway. <laughs> it
1: yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. He's like, I saw Young winner. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, I actually was thinking about this. That dude is so talented. I wonder if he just went out every at bat for a season and just said, "I'm just gonna put the ball in play and just try and, and just try and single every time." Yeah. Like I don't, I'm not am not going to worry about driving and runs. I wonder if he could get like 300 hits. Ooh. You know, like even even beat Ichiro's record. I wonder if he could just you know just tell him to go. I'm just gonna pop the ball, especially with no shift. Just pop the ball around. No, no, hit no home runs. I'd, I'd be curious just to see what what a guy like that with that kind of talent level could do. It was just like you know what, bat on ball every time. Almost like you're playing pepper. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm if I'm too old. And nobody else knows what pepper is out there. But it was a game you used to play. Oh no, yeah. When you, oh yeah. When you would have somebody, like a bunch of dudes line up, and one dude with a bat, and you you know toss the ball to him, and they have to try and you know hand hands inside the ball, just hit little ground balls right back to uh, right back to the people who were who are. Um, fielding for you. It really kind of taught you back control I and mean, putting the barrel of the bat on the ball. And I still play that with my kids. Actually, is it's just a really fun game to do? <laughs> I wonder if he, if he just went and played pepper all day for a whole season, how many hits he could get.
0: Yeah, no, Derek. We play pepper uh, here all the time in the studio, uh, in between yeah. breaks. <laughs> we do we do that all the time. We have a softer ball. Your
1: studio, Yes,
0: yeah, softer balls, smaller bat. You know, but we're doing we're playing pepper. We're playing pepper. We do that all the time. Uh, we're talking with Derek Togerson here uh, from NBC Seven in San Diego now. Uh, talking about the the adjustments how how has juan soto adjusted because he has a lot of um in, in at bat adjustments he does his little shuffle how how has he just adjusted, uh, adjusted to the pitch clock has he been any uh have any has he vocalized any uh displeasure with the rules so far
1: Not at all, because he's he's a guy who it really ever mattered to him because he was kind of taking his cues on the pitchers anyway. The one thing you look at with him, is, and it's really interesting because very few people pick up on it, but after he takes a ball it's a, and it's cl- like a close pitch and he's doing that little shuffle, where is he looking? Well, he's looking at the pitcher, mm-hmm. and the reason he's doing that is twofold. One, it's an intimidation thing, but two, he is looking and analyzing to see if the pitcher's giving anything away. Is there a cue? Is there a – is he shaking his hand a little bit? Is there – is he putting a, holding the ball with a, a little different grip this time? He's looking for anything that might tell him what pitch is coming. He's ready and engaged with the pitcher at all times anyway. So if the pitcher speeds up, Soto will speed up. He's going to have zero trouble with this.
0: It's going to be fun to watch uh, this all develop. And we were talking about Manny Machado. I mean, he is the story. He's the MVP candidate every single year. And uh, you get to see him a lot more uh, with that contract extension. How did that all go down? Uh, and where did the Padres get all this money?
1: <laughs> well, uh, Peter Seidler is worth $3 billion. Now, a lot of people don't don't realize that. So they yeah they've got money. The the difference here, and this is what's so great about Peter is he's taking the money that is coming into the franchise and novel concept. He's putting it back into the franchise. The revenue sharing. So many you know, like these idiots like Dick Montfort and Bob Nutting. You know the Rockies and Pirates owners. They're looking at this as a way to make money. Peter Siddle looking at this as a way to be in the community and win championships. So the money that's coming in is not going in his pocket. It's going back into the team. That's how he's able to, to spend all this money and where he gets it from. Everyone has it. He's just putting it back into the product. And that's, that's, I know it's crazy to think about because most owners don't do that, but that's what he's doing. So yeah. it's wonderful to see. You know, he put all this money. I was talking to um, Eric Grubner, the Padre CEO, um, not too long ago. I did a nice long sit-down interview with him. He said the business model was you've got to spend money to make money. So you put all this money into the team, and they had a good feeling that if you did that, the fan base would respond and bring it right back in. And lo and behold, it's happened. They're going to – they're expecting, looking at season tickets, they're going to be averaging 40000 a game at Petco Park this year. Averaging uh-huh. That has never happened. Even even the first year that ballpark was open, they didn't average 40000 for the entire season. People are buying up the City Connect jerseys. They're, they're snapping up everything they can. So all the money's going back – into the team because the fan base is engaged when we got an engaged fan base you can still make a whole truckload of money even if you are putting a bunch of it into your payroll
0: 40,000 a night. Those were those were the days in San Francisco. Oh man, we, we I don't know if yeah. we're we're ever going to get to those uh those peaks uh at, at this point in, in the Giants regime. Yeah, that's a regime. Ballpark
1: up there too.
0: Love it. Love it up here, but man, at Petco, I need to make a trip down. I haven't been down to Petco uh yet, but I need to make the trip down. I hear that it's just a party atmosphere out there and with all with all the environment around the ballpark, it, it's a great place, great city to just take in some baseball.
1: It's awesome. It really, ever since they moved the, the ballpark out of Mission Valley, you know, mm. we'll call stadium was, or I still called it the Murph, you know, going back to Jack <laughs> Murphy stadium. It um, put it downtown, man, that downtown used to be a place you didn't go unless you had bad intention, mm. you know, especially that area of downtown. And since that ballpark has been put in there, we're talking about blocks upon blocks, upon blocks of the gas lamp that has been completely revitalized. It is now the place to go to hang out, uh, I mean, restaurants, bars, everywhere, up and down, you which know, four, five, six streets going out, you know, 10, 15 blocks. It's been incredible, the complete revitalization of, of the downtown area. And you're right, you go down there on a Friday, Saturday night, like Saturday night, 535 starts, places are packed for brunch, ballparks packed, places are packed for happy hour after the ballpark. It, it, it's It's incredible just to, to feel the energy around that place, especially when you got a team that's, that's going to be as good and talented as this one is. This whole city, even when the Chargers are like 14-2 and two back in the Marty Schottenheimer days and they were legitimate <laughs> Super Bowl contenders, yeah. I've, I've never seen a city in energized the way it is for this team this year.
0: Yeah, no, that that team is uh, is really exciting, and they have the aspirations to make it to the World Series, and and not even not just make it to the World Series, to win the damn thing, uh, win their first World Series in franchise history. We're talking with Derek Togerson, uh, NBC Seven in San Diego. We're talking about the spending habits of the Padres. So. With with the with the contracts coming down to Machado, with Xander Bogarts this past off season, with uh, Tatis getting his extension uh, not too long ago, what does that mean for guys that are coming up on deals like Blake Snell and Josh Josh Hader and Juan Soto? What does what, what does that mean? Where do you project uh, the Padres to go from here?
1: Well, Soto is a guy. Who obviously, they're going to try and resign, and that is going to be. And we've discussed this on the On Fire podcast too. And thanks for mentioning that we do that here. Soto is going to be a very interesting case because, I mean, Scott Boris is the agent, obviously, and you never fully know what Boris is going to be thinking. It's going to be one of two things with Soto, and he really hasn't let know what his intention is. It's going to be either A, give me the 15-year deal, and I'm not going to worry about it again, or B, going to go the Mike Trout route. Because after his second year of arbitration, his last year of arbitration, which is next year, he's still going to be 25. He will have just turned 26 in October. So he's right in, like, basically entering his prime, which is it's crazy to think about. So does he want to do the Mike Trout thing? He was like, all right, I want a four- or five-year deal where I'll be 30 when I'm a free agent again and I can cash in again because baseball economics are constantly changing. Or do you want the longer deal where you give me some opt-outs? You know, after, after year three or four, I'll be able to opt out and still be able to make a whole truckload of cash, but I know I have that financial stability. You just you're not sure which way he's leaning, and that will definitely have an impact on whether or not the Padres are going to be able to resign him. Now, Josh Hader, I have a really good feeling he's going to stick around. Um, his career, you know, he was not having success when he was traded in from Milwaukee. He things were starting to go off the rails. He got here, and they continued to go off the rails. And then he worked with Ruben Niamblo, the pitching coach here. It was like the pitcher whisperer. He's been fantastic and a complete unsung hero on the coaching staff. And he gets not only gets back to being Josh Hader, he had never thrown 100 miles an hour in a game before this year. In the postseason, he threw nearly a dozen pitches at 100 miles an hour. He's found an extra gear being here working with this coaching staff, and he might even have more in there. I I talked to him uh, not too long ago. He's like, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know how to throw 100. It just kind of happened. Doing different shoulder care and things. He's like, maybe there is some more in there. I don't know. You might see a dude who's that nasty throwing even harder as he goes on, and if he's that, had that kind of success and is that you know committed to to winning, and he and he's even said the difference between Milwaukee's commitment and San Diego's commitment is night and day. I think he likes being with a franchise that is obviously wanting to win, so I think he he has a really good chance to stay. Snell is kind of the uh, enigma in all of this because he had a obviously won a Cy Young award in 2018. He has looked like. He can go out there and throw a no hitter anytime he takes the mound, and he's looked like a guy who's scared to throw a strike. And it doesn't—you don't know which guy you're getting start to start. If he can harness the good place, no, because his stuff is phenomenal. I mean, this is some of the some of the best from the left side you're going to see in baseball. But he just oh two nibble 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 walk throwing over the middle of the plate get hurt if he just. Trusts his stuff in the strike zone. With him, it's all you know. The, the most difficult part is the seven inches between the ears. If he can get that part right on a consistent basis, he's a Cy Young candidate every year, and probably has the best stuff on the Padres' staff, which is crazy to think about with guys like Joe Musgrove and Hugh Darvish. If he has a really good year this year, I think he probably that the Padres will try, they'll try to re-sign or extend him anyway. But if he has a really good year this year, I think there's probably a good chance that they'll be like, "All right, look." Let, let's keep this, you know, the three amigos together because Darvish and Musgrove are both under contract through at least 2027, and, and Darvish through 28. So we can keep those, you know, those 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 three horsemen together, and then kind of supplement around that with guys like Michael Walker and, and Nick Martinez, and they even, they even signed Cole Hamels <laughs> to a minor league deal. Like they got they got pitchers coming out their ears here. Julio Tehran, they two time All Star, they signed to a minor league contract. He threw two perfect innings in his Padres debut yesterday in spring training. So they they got a whole bunch of veteran guys around here, all these arms. Snell might be edged out by one of them, or he might be, you know what, Let, let's, let's run it back. Now, it's not going to be at the $20 million a year unless he goes out and, again, has a Cy Young-type caliber year, and then he might price himself out. So that's, it, that, that's the one I have. I could not begin to tell you one way or another whether or not Blake Snell is going to be offered an extension or what it would look like.
0: Great insight uh, into the Padres' inner workings on the pitching side of things. I, we, we can't talk Padres, Derek. We, we can't talk Padres without mentioning Fernando Tatis Jr. W- what What is his time frame, uh, his timetable, as far as when he's going to get into some games into spring? I know that he can't come back until April 12th uh, with that, or April 20th, um, with that suspension uh, with the PEDs last year. But uh, w- what's his expectation Coming back into spring uh, right now, what,
1: what, what are we looking at here? Tuesday against the Giants in Scottsdale. Oh, all right. Glad, glad you asked the question. Look at that. Yeah, well, that's, no, that's what Bob Melvin said. He, and he was like, well, the, the plan as of now is he'll be out there Tuesday um, in Scottsdale against the Giants, uh, barring any setbacks. So, well, I'll kind of see you again. You're coming back. He says the shoulder is 100%. Mm-hmm. The wrist has been a little bit slower to come all the way back because he had a second surgery on it mm. so as long as that's okay he says he's 100 percent and just quote unquote checking boxes for the organization but they're obviously playing the slow game with him because you're right he can't come back until April 20th so mm-hmm. he has basically an extra three weeks on top of spring training so they're trying to get him back acclimated to game conditions what they've been doing with him at spring training is putting him in a lot of backfield games mm-hmm. um in fact, the, just the other day it was a Saturday. The Padres played a quote-unquote backfield game, and I don't know if people know what backfield games are in spring training, but it is um, when you have your regular Cactus League game, what they'll do is they'll go out to a different field, kind of like away from everybody, and do a, what's more or less a, a simulated kind of game where it's like uh, the pitcher will try to get through five, six outs in the first inning, and that's anything he's done, you know. Trying to put get a guys out there to kind of get him a couple of at-bats and, you know, maybe have him hit once, and then, you know, if they strike out or walk, you stay in there and have him hit again. It's like get, kind of put him in, in game conditions, but on actual game. Mm-hmm. Well, this game had uh, Joe Musgrove, Adrian Morajone, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. in a <laughs> backfield game. Like, not bad for a backfield game, right? right? Um, and Tati singled twice and drove in a run against Morahone. Um, and was out running the bases and playing right field. Um, he's, so he's he, they're putting him in conditions that look like a game and go, okay, how did that feel? Mm-hmm. Are, are, you, are you okay? Are you sore? Is that all right? So I think he's finally gotten to the point now where they're okay with his progress because he's done enough of those and his body's reacted properly. that they're going, okay, let's put him into some, something that resembles a live fire situation or as close as a cactus practice game can be. And see and see how that goes now. So he's reached that next step, and then once he does that, then it's just see how you feel. If things go continue to go well, then it's all right. You're full steam ahead, and then he do, goes does his uh, you know twenty games down in the minor leagues, comes back up, and he's ready to go in Arizona on the twentieth. And the interesting, fun part about that is he will actually play a game in Mexico before he plays a game at Petco Park because of how the schedule lines up. Mm.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's going to be going to be fun. <laughs> I can't wait for the regular season to start, man. Uh, so April 20th, right? That's when he can come back. What does it look like when Tatis returns? Can we expect to see him play every day out of the gate? Are they going to slow play it? Is he going to play multiple positions? Or, or, well, oh, no, what, what is the expectation?
1: Now, so, yeah, they're slow playing it now so he can be 100% when okay. he is back. Yeah, they're if, they're not going to bring him back unless he can go every day. So when they bring him back he's going he's going to be going every day. He's going to be the everyday right fielder. Um they have not ruled out moving him around the infield. Now what he won't be doing is going like, you know, left to right to center um mm-hmm. unless somebody's getting a day off. Because Soto is going to be he's playing left field. He's staying in left field for the entirety of the year if he just, you know, prefers that, he he can play both corner outfield spots. He doesn't like doing it mid-season because he, the way he prepares for something is like he goes full bore all in on doing that thing, um, so the Padres are going to let him just play left field and do some probably do some DH in this year when he needs a you know a rest day or whatever it may be. So yeah, Tatis is being right. They they have not ruled out him being on the infield playing some shortstop or third base occasionally. Uh, you know, Manny needs a day. Bogarts needs a day. Although you still have by the way, Hosung Kim one of the top five defensive shortstops in the game, now playing second base.
0: Yeah, there's so many shortstops and, on the Padres, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and by the way, your, your fourth best shortstop might be your first baseman in Jake Cronenworth. <laughs> so they they they, they have, this is what's crazy, they have, and I, I kid you not, they have six shortstops oh that they're going to be starting at any given moment. Because all four guys on the infield. Manny came up with a shortstop, obviously yep. Bogarts is, obviously Kim is, and Cronenworth is also a, a shortstop by trade. And then you got Tatis, who's going to be in right, obviously, was one of the most athletic shortstops Mm -hmm. in the world. People forget Austin Nola, their starting catcher. When he got to LSU, he was a shortstop. In fact, he was such a good shortstop that D.J. LeMahieu moved from short (laughs) to second base in college for the freshman in Austin Nola.
0: That's
1: unreal. It wasn't until he got into his professional career. It was about four or five years ago. They're like, listen, you're not going to have enough power to stay in the middle of the infield. Why well, did you learn to catch? And he's like, cool. So, so that's how we got to the major leagues. He learned how to catch. He actually has a really good knack for it because he understands the game mentally so much. 12 homers from a shortstop, not going to cut it. 12 homers from a catcher, you'll take that any day.
0: All of that uh, summed up, the Padres are pretty good. (laughs) That's what that's what Derek just said. The the Padres are pretty good.
1: (laughs) AJ collects shortstops like Pokemon Go. You got to get them all. (laughs) That's hilarious,
0: man. Uh, Derek, as we wrap up here, man, I got to get your thoughts. There's a lot of expectations coming into uh, this season with 2023 uh, right around the corner, and uh, a lot of people have the Padres unseating the Dodgers from their stranglehold over the division. they uh, The Dodgers won the division eight consecutive seasons uh, until the Giants won that 107 in 2021. 20, uh, but the Dodgers, they were back at it. They won it last year. They beat the everybody in the NL West by 20 uh, 22 games. Padres were second. How do you see it uh, playing out in 2023?
1: Well, what happened in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen in the regular season. Yeah. Right. Um, the 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 Dodgers are now. Here's the thing: the Dodgers are talented as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. If you you got Mookie and Freddie, I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances with those guys. Mm-hmm. Like there's 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 no question that's one hell of a talented baseball team. What they don't have that they've had for so long, and again, Max Munsey's probably going to bounce back. They don't have. I mean, they weren't getting much from Bellinger anyway. Not having Justin Turner is going to hurt. What they don't have is the assurances that you just know, like, okay, this dude's going to hit, this dude's going to hit. Like, all these guys are going to be you know, fabulous baseball players. They don't know if they have the length and the rotation that they usually do, and they don't know what, was Gavin Lux going to be able to make up for everything that you lost. Some of these youngsters in the Dodgers' farm system has always been fantastic. You know, how many well, rookies of the year do they have in a row in the 90s? You know? they, they, they turn out guys because they develop them so darn well but can they live up to what they lost? That's going to be the big question. They're relying on a lot of young guys. So I think the Dodgers are still a playoff caliber team this year. But if you look at it, and again, baseball games aren't played on paper, but if you look at it on paper, the Padres have more talent and they're deeper. So I think I think San Diego probably wins a division for the first time since 2006, and then the Dodgers are a wild card team. That, that would be my guess. In fact, I see the National League – the six teams that got in last year will be the six teams that get in this year. I just I just don't see anybody in the Central catching the Cardinals. I don't see anybody in the East being able to match up with the Mets and the Phillies, and obviously the Padres and the Dodgers. You know, it's like it's – what what else can you do, you know? I just – I, I really don't see a whole lot of wiggle room for anybody else to be able to, you know, work their way into – the playoffs with how good all these other clubs are, the American League might be a little bit more wide open. Um, but I think, I mean, what we saw last year in the playoffs is what you're going to see again this year in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, life is good if you're a Padres fan entering this season, man. They're, the expectations are sky high, uh, but hey, you know what? Clean slate when the season starts, and uh, that's why we play the game. So we will see how the West uh, un, un, unraveled itself. But uh, here, here we go. I got to ask you before we let you go. Uh, what is the key to the Padres' success this year? Them getting a World Series. What What is the key? What What is the the X factor for that happening?
1: Uh, well, I mean, obviously, for everyone, it's health. You know, you can't you can't lose three fifths or, or half your starting rotation, and then you know lose you know Soto and Manny for for a, a bulk of the year. I mean, that's for that's for everybody though. The the thing, really, honestly, this team has so much talent and so much potential. It just takes everyone playing to their capabilities. As long as nobody has a, just a dramatically awful down year, the Padres should, win the, should be in, at least in the, in the conversation for a World Series. They should get a lead to the National League Championship Series again. That, that's really all it is. It's like they've got this thing so dialed in that you just have people do what they do. You're not expect, you don't need somebody to have a career year. You just need everybody to play how they play. You know, it used to be like, all right, well, Manning's going to have to hit 55 bombs and Tatis is going to have to hit 92 bombs and then maybe we'll have a chance. Now you've got everybody who's so good at every position and they're so deep that if everyone just does what they do, you're going to be okay. And they should be able to get again to the national championship series or beyond. So it's just have nobody have a catastrophic injury and nobody completely fall off the cliff. Don't be Peyton Manning in 2015 where all of a sudden you just don't forget how to throw a football as long as you have any of those types of performances, the Padres are going to be in the playoffs.
0: Well, there you have it. Padres uh, making a deep run. I mean, the trend, right? They, they get into the playoffs. They get to the NLCS. The next step, World Series. Derek Togerson, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and uh, breaking down Padres' ball. And We'll talk uh, throughout the year, man.
1: Sounds good, man. When you get down to Pickle Park, let me know.
0: Oh, most definitely, Derek. Derek doesn't know uh, what kind of can of worms he just opened up with that invitation. Uh, Derek Togerson, everyone of NBC7 San Diego, covers the Padres. Also, go ahead and check out his podcast, On Fire Podcast, everything Padres that you need to know. Everybody, that was a great conversation. Padre fans have a lot to look forward to, rightfully so. I mean, you talk about, you listen to all of those guys that we just talked about. Fernando Tatis, you got Manny Machado, Blake Blake Snell, uh, Joe Musgrove. I mean, the list goes on with all of the talent that they have there. Uh, They have rightful reason to be excited for the 2023 season. So I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I sure did. It was a lot of fun catching up with Derek Togerson. You guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Stay tuned for more every Monday and Friday coming at you during the spring and throughout the regular season. So you guys have a good one, be safe, and I'll talk to you next time.